Welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. continue our study tonight in the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, turn to the sixth chapter, the book of Revelation. John beheld a book in the right hand of God the Father, and there was only one found worthy to open the book and to loose the seals, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus opened up that first seal, John said in verse 2 of Revelation chapter 6 that he saw and beheld a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. The rider upon this white horse is the Antichrist. He has a bow in his hand with no arrows. When he steps on the scene, At some point in time, after the rapture of the church, he will step on the scene preaching peace while all the time he's preparing for war. And the second seal that Jesus opened up, Revelation 6 and verse 4, there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. What the Antichrist does not conquer by the means of peace, then he will conquer by the means of war, and that is the second seal. War will probably break out around about the second year of the Great Tribulation period, somewhere around about that time. One of the first countries that he will conquer is Egypt. And in certain parts of Europe and those countries that are within the old Roman Empire territory that do not side with him, in the very beginning, he will go and conquer these countries as he tries to set up his kingdom and his empire, the red horse of war. Then the third seal is opened up, verse 6. John said, I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. If you'll notice there in verse 5 that this horse that is running here is a black horse. It is the black horse of famine. Whenever you have a period in time of war, Men are taken out of the fields, and they are. most of your efforts are going toward the war effort. A lot of crops will be destroyed, and whatever the case. 
One Bible commentator said that the scarcity of, of food will cause the prices to increase eight times the normal price. And a lot of people will just literally starve to death at this time. The fourth seal that is opened up is found in verse 8. John said, he looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. During this period of time, as many as three billion people will die. Sadly and regrettably, most of these people that die, as the scripture says here, death and hell followed with him. Most of these people that die will go to hell. And that is a sobering thought. The fifth seal that was open, verse 9. When he had opened the fifth seal, John said he saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are people that got saved at some point in time after the rapture of the church. As the Spirit of God moves during that period of time, there will be people that get saved. I think a lot of backsliders will come forward. Uh, we see where 144,000 Jews will get saved during the Great Tribulation period, as well as many others. And these are people that gave their lives for the cause of Christ. At some point in time, we don't know exactly when, but the Antichrist will give his mark. No man will be able to buy or sell unless they take the mark. It could be that when this sixth, this uh, fifth seal is opened up, it could be the time that the Antichrist gives his mark, and those that are saved at that time will not do so, and they will be killed. Some think that the guillotine will be brought back into play, and people will be having their heads chopped off and whatever the case. But we don't know. It's like this. If you can't live for God now, it's going to be hard to live for God then. But there will be some that do it. As the Bible plainly says here, these people that are under the altar. Tonight, we want to take a look at the sixth seal. Revelation 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal... And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Now, I want you to notice something, first of all. In each one of these seals, something takes place in heaven first before something takes place here on earth. Notice that. The Lord does something up in heaven first, and then we see something happening here on earth. Now, I realize that this is yet futuristic, the things that we're reading about here. But I wonder, the events and things that we see taking place in the earth right now, 
Are they because of something that God has done or decreed in heaven? I believe it is. What we see happening here, which is still yet futuristic, is an example of what the Lord is currently doing in the world. Nothing happens in this world what it doesn't cross God's desk first. He's still on the throne and he's in charge. Men may rule, but God overrules. And God moves and works behind the scenes and he's, he's pulling the strings. And you get right down to it. Now, the Bible says that there was a great earthquake. Now, there's always been earthquakes, but this one here is bigger than anything that has ever happened before. This earthquake is so great that even the sun and the moon are affected by it. Nothing like this has ever happened before. I want you to notice in verse 13 that as this earthquake occurs, that the stars of the heavens will fall to the earth. At the same time that this earthquake is happening, uh, look in verse 14. The heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. That's a frightening thing. What exactly did John see? At the time of this earthquake, there are meteorites falling out of the skies. If one of those meteorites hits the ocean, it could cause a tsunami big enough to change the topography of the entire earth. Now, I want to share something with you tonight. Back in 2004, on December the 26th, there was tsunami. There was a tsunami that was created by an earthquake on December the 26th. An earthquake so great that it is thought to have had the energy of 23,000 Hiroshima atomic bombs. Think of that. And this won't but about 10 years ago. The epicenter of this earthquake was a 9 on the Richter scale. It was near the west coast of the Indonesian islands of Sumatra. The violent movement of sections of the Earth's crust, known as the tectonic plates, displaced an enormous amount of water, sending powerful shock waves in every direction. The tectonic plates in this area had been pushing against each other, building pressure for thousands of years. They continue to do so and will likely cause underwater earthquakes and tsunamis in the future. The shifting of the earth's plates in the Indian Ocean caused a rupture more than 600 miles long, displacing the seafloor above the rupture by perhaps 10 yards horizontally and several yards vertically. As a result, trillions of tons of rock were moved along hundreds of miles and caused the entire planet to shudder with the largest magnitude earthquake in 40 years. 
Within hours of the earthquake, killer waves radiating from the epicenter slammed into the coastline of 11 Indian Ocean countries, damaging countries from East Africa to Thailand. A tsunami is a series of waves, and the first wave may not be the most dangerous. A tsunami wave train may come as surges anywhere from five minutes to an hour apart. The cycle may be marked by the repeated retreat and advances of the ocean. Despite a lag of up to several hours between the earthquake and the impact of the tsunami, nearly all of the victims were taken completely by surprise because there was no tsunami warning systems in the Indian Ocean. The Indian Ocean tsunami traveled as far as 3,000 miles. Think of that. 3,000 miles to Africa and still arrived with sufficient force to kill people and destroy property. Many people in Indonesian reported that the animals were fleeing to high ground minutes before the tsunami arrived. Very few animal bodies were found afterward. That's kind of strange, isn't it? The earthquake-induced tsunami resulted in at least 230,000 deaths, 500,000 injuries and damages that exceeded $10 billion. Also, it is estimated that 5 million people lost their homes and access to food and water. This happened just 10 years ago on December the 26th. But what we're talking about under the sixth seal is an earthquake, and we don't know exactly where this earthquake will occur. But at the same time, you're talking about a meteorite slamming into the earth somewhere. It could cause a tsunami big enough to change the topography of the, wor- of the world, as John said he saw here, that the mountains and the islands were moved out of their places. I don't think the islands and the mountains physically moved as much as the water came in and changed, like I said, the topography of the earth. Just something to think about. Now, I want you to go back and look in verse 13, Revelation 6 and verse 13. I want to zero in on a phrase here. The stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. That's the phrase I want to Zero in on just a few minutes. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. If you will, just hold your place right there in Revelation chapter 6. Flip over to Luke chapter 13. I want to show you something there I think will be somewhat interesting. Now, Israel is symbolized by the fig tree. 
And Jesus gives us a parable of the fig tree in Luke 13. Move down, if you will, to verse 5. And Jesus said, Luke 13, verse 5, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Stop right there for just a minute. Israel is the fig tree that God planted in this world. The Israel of Jesus' day was the most religious in the world. Their little boys, 12 years old, could repeat the book of Leviticus. When was the last time you read the book of Leviticus? How many of you can repeat the book of Leviticus? Nobody willing to stand up and volunteer and do that tonight, okay? Well, their 12-year-old little boys were able to do that. They were the most religious that they have ever been. But yet when Jesus came on the scene, there was no fruit. All right, pick it up in verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard. The owner here is of the vineyard is God the Father. The dresser is Jesus Christ, okay? Just want to point that out. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. That illustrates the three years that Jesus had his ministry up to that particular point in time. For three years... Jesus preached to these people. For three years, he performed miracle after miracle. And there was still no fruit coming from God's people, Israel. Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. This presents to us the fact that Jesus prayed to God the Father to give him just a little bit more time to work with Israel. Just a little bit more time. Verse 9, And if it bear fruit, well... And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years. Those last six months, Jesus tried his best to do what he could to get those people to bring forth fruit, and there was still none. Instead, they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. 
In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Not one stone was left upon another. The Romans brutally slaughtered an estimated 600,000 people. And many of the people were shipped off as slaves and scattered throughout the Roman Empire. By the year 73 AD, just three years later, all traces of a self-ruling Jewish nation had completely disappeared. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? I said all that to say this. This refers to God's chosen people, Israel. I wonder today how many churches the Lord has visited and there is still no fruit that is forthcoming. How long will it be before certain churches, I'll even go so far as to say this, certain denominations are cut down. Just a thought. In World War II, Hitler murdered over six million Jews in the Holocaust. And despite his efforts to destroy God's people, on May the 14th, 1948, a vote was taken and passed by the UN to recognize Israel as a state, and the flag with the Star of David was raised over Israel. For nearly 2,000 years, this fig tree was barren. But in 1948, the leaves of the fig tree began to shoot forth. And I'm here to tell you tonight that by the opening of the sixth seal, this great earthquake, this time when large meteorites will slam into the earth and change the entire topography of the earth, Israel at that time will then bring forth fruit. That is why the Bible says untimely figs. What Israel should have brought forth during the time of their visitation, they now bring it forth during the great tribulation period at the time of the opening of this sixth seal. Now, let's take a look at something here. Let me ask you a question. What brings forth the fruit? What brings forth the fruit? Flip back over, if you will, to Revelation chapter 6, verse 13, once again. The latter part of that verse, well, about midway, you will see the phrase there, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Notice that phrase there. The untimely figs come forth when she is shaken of a mighty wind. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, 
It is a verse of scripture that we're all familiar with. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Notice the terminology once again. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That rushing mighty wind that will move, during the great tribulation period is the same mighty wind that moved on the day of Pentecost. It is the same mighty wind that wants to move in the church today. It is the wind of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? That wind of the Spirit wants to move in the church today. And if we will allow God's Spirit to move in His church, there will be fruit that comes forth. Believe that. Move down in Acts chapter 2 to verse 17. There are some people that believe that when the rapture takes place, that not only will God's people be raptured out, but the Holy Spirit will be raptured out as well. And because of that, no one will be able to be saved. That ain't what this Bible says. Acts 2, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days. The last days begin on the day of Pentecost. Continues right up to today. And will continue right on up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants... And on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders. Notice what is being said here. Verse 9. Well, verse 19. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 20, notice that terminology. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there will be people saved during this period of time. But it's going to be awfully hard to live for the Lord. And many are going to give their lives. All right, go back to Revelation chapter 6 and we're going to wrap it up tonight. Verse 15, Revelation 6, 
verse 15. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bond man, and every free man. That's everybody. Makes no difference what your status in life is. It makes no difference how much money you've got. It makes no difference how much education you got. From the top all the way down to the bottom, this covers it all. Every man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. At this particular point in time of the tribulation period, everybody will know who it is that's causing these things to occur. No doubt about it. They plainly say, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. But I want you to notice something here. That's what they say. But not the first one says, Lord, forgive me and have mercy on me and forgive me of my sins. Not the first one repents. Despite all of this destruction, not the first one repents. Instead, they run and hide. And listen to what they say, verse 17. The great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Nobody. Nobody. The only ones that will be able to stand are those that are standing on that crystal sea up in heaven. And those ones that are left here on earth that are still saved, they're the only ones that will stand before God justified, just if they had never sinned. They're the only ones. It's very important tonight that you make your peace with God. That you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you ask Him into your heart and life and you ask Him to change you. Because this day right here is coming. The great day of His wrath is coming. And only those that are saved are going to be able to stand. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.